Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Focused on Forward. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with David Angel. Uh, David is a kind gentleman who's had quite a few challenges in his life, some things he's had to overcome. But he's not here to talk today just about the things that he's overcome, but we're going to look at how he's overcome them, why he chose to be focused on forward, and he's going to share a few tips and pointers with you from his own personal journey along the way. So David, thank you so much. We're very excited to have you here. Glad to be here. Yeah, excellent. So what we're going to do now, David, is I'm going to turn the microphone over to you. I'm going to let you introduce yourself uh, more than I just did and uh, give people a little bit of backstory about who you are, where you're from, and, and what you've uh, what challenges you've had to face. Okay, cool. Well, hi to anyone who's listening. So my name's David Angel, as we've rightly said. I'm a 40-year-old single dad of two in the UK. Um, I'm someone I would class as a pretty driven person um, and, and I've always been that way. Um, when we're talking about hurdles, I think I've come over a vast amount of, over um, in recent years, which I think now in the world that we live in, only recently are we really starting to absorb and talk about a lot of the struggles that people, and especially men, go through. Um, so it's quite interesting. I'm quite enjoying jumping on podcasts because if I can share a bit of value from either things that I've gone through or things I'm experiencing or ways I've overcome it and that can help someone, um, I think that can only be a good thing. Agreed. Absolutely. I think there's been more emphasis uh, the last couple of years about men's health, men's mental health, uh, things along those lines, and uh, which I think is a good thing because many times us men, we, uh, we think that mentally we're invincible and we don't need to mm. talk and we don't need to share. So I think it's good that uh, there's been uh, an acknowledgement of that. Most definitely. Most yeah. So let's talk about your story, your hurdles. Uh, give us a background there. Okay, so I mean, a pretty standard upbringing. No crazy horror stories, nothing awful happened. Um, grew up here in a, a, my parents were still together. Grew up uh, on the south coast of England. Um, I was an all right student. I was relatively smart, not overly smart. I wasn't daft. Um, didn't really enjoy going through school. Um, I just, nothing really grabbed my attention. So being that way, as, as I was growing up, the one thing which was fashionable at the time was becoming a chef. So school was quite happy just to palm me off um, into full-time employment. So I only went to school one day a week from when I was sort of 14, 15, which looking back seems a bit crazy. So being immersed into working life pretty much full-time at 15, you have to immediately grow up. You, I moved out at 16, so I had a flat, got a job. So I, I, looking back, I moved to the stage where I had an accelerated growth but without necessarily having the skill sets behind it. So you almost 
bluff your way through. And I think what you've, you've said quite right with it, but for a lot of people, especially men, women spend a lot of time talking with each other and talk about emotions. Now, this is, I'm not trying to sound sexist, but I think classically that is. A lot of time with men, they find something to keep themselves busy to avoid confrontation about problems, talking about problems. They don't have that. Go back to caveman times, talking about hunting and gathering, where men would shut up while we're in the trees with the, trying to catch the dinner, when the women would be sat around, working together, helping each other, raising the kids. And it's just come from that sight and nature, but, but, but we just didn't. Now, it wasn't ever a conscious thing for me. So over the years, you go through battles, you go through struggles. Um, I stopped from there, moved into doing sales, as we were talking about earlier. And I had a really good progression. Um, what you don't know, you don't know. And so I was very, looking back, I can see huge obstacles, huge hurdles that I was overcoming, but never really processing. So this ended up that I not only progressed really well through sales, was doing a lot of things like personal development and learning um, uh, as I went. Everyone had a very low expectation of me because I left school at 14. So no one was thinking he's going to become prime minister or president. Um, so when I'm suddenly going in, I'm earning 80 grand a year, 100 grand a year in sales. Everyone's like, wow, he's doing great. And it almost become this self-fulfilling prophecy, but I almost self-sabotage. self, self, to self -sabotage. And at the time, I saw it as partying, enjoying myself and celebrating. And this, and this went through from the drinking, the partying, the drugs, the girls. And at the time, I was a single guy, so you, you think it's not a problem. And if you're surrounded by people that are doing a similar thing, um, even more so, <laughs> but it doesn't seem like it's a problem. And it's kept going. And I look back now, and over the space of a 10, 15-year period, it was great. I was doing fine partying every weekend, working hard, playing hard, the good old analogy that we talk about. I set up a business. Business was going fantastic. Um, ended up getting a bar, had a bar as well, had another business. Things are going great. I need really good money. But a party had also continued and carried on as well. In the midst of all that, I'd been with a partner. Obviously, we're talking about a 15-year window. I had a partner. We were together for a good number of years. Then we had kids. Then we broke up. So I was only seeing my kids every other weekend. So I've got businesses. I've got two kids, but I'm only seeing them every other weekend, which killed me inside, not realising as much as I did. That then affected on the fact that when I wasn't with the kids, I'm drinking and partying even more. And there's only like so long that that can continue for. There's only so long your body can put up with that type of attack and damage. And then this, I, I used to laugh about the stuff I did, the three-day benders, and still working in between. And it oh, was wow. normal. Yeah, like I, I, people laugh and joke about it now. And I, I literally could do three days no sleep and still do a 10-hour day at work and still be effective. And that was the big problem. I could still be, it wasn't, I thought I was affected. People wouldn't even know. Like, they, had, I, you, they had no clue that you had been on a bender for a couple of days. People didn't know I was still high because I would just get a cab to work. And I could, I oh, could, man. yeah, I could, so I could still sniff cocaine at work and no one would know. People wouldn't know because I nothing would change in my face. My eyes wouldn't go bleary. I wouldn't talk fast because it was just so ingrained. So it ended up being a fuel, which just kept going but that has psychological effects and damaging effects so the time people had know i'd been on the bender would be two days later i would look like crap 
because my body's drawn and tired and worn out. So because I could function as a functioning alcoholic and drug taker and thrive, no one thought this would was a problem because the money's coming up, the businesses are growing, he's got a bar, got the right. cool cars. So, they, so they're looking at the outside and seeing what you are accomplishing at the same time. And so not looking at what the possible inside issues are. Well, a lot of people wouldn't know because I was only seeing my kids every other weekend and I wasn't going out party party and because I was enjoying the downtime. So I had a lot of different friendship groups. So I could go out on a Tuesday night and be one of the group of friends. I'd go home at 11. I'd go into another group of friends who'd be out till six. Then I'd go home, get sorted out, go to work. And then in the evening, I'd be feeling fine again. So then I'd carry on with up. So different, it was never with the same people, which made it a lot easier to function. But then come the downfalls. Then come the mental breakdowns, the paranoia. The fact they couldn't physically cope anymore. And it gets to a size that you, you know the warning signs and you know there's a problem. But then you're at a stage where I've got all this stuff, the business is starting to collapse, which um, for anyone who's ever had a, a problem in a business, it make you want to go out and forget those problems. And then you don't function properly. And it ended up, the fall of that was losing the businesses um, to the extent of going from having the big house, the Range Rover, the cool watches, to sleeping in a car. Um, which, when you're at that stage, you look at it and you go, and I mean this in a nice way, if you've gone through a terrible time, it's a terrible time. But to go from a realisation you had it, to sleeping in a car, not being able to eat, or whatever it would be, um, with, and also trying to do it without anyone knowing. <laughs> They're still trying to function. Trying so to hide up, it. Yeah, exactly. From the shame, because then how do you say? Well, and everyone be like, well, how? <laughs> so, little by little, start building things back up, getting back on my feet, stop the drinking, stop the partying. Um, done a lot of personal development. Um, and just worked on myself. And I was at the stage where I wanted it done at my worst, wanted it done. Tried to end it a couple of times, like, really just gone. I didn't see the self-worth, didn't have the value to sort of commit and progress and continue on where I was. I didn't sort of see how things would ever go back. Um, fortunately, that didn't happen. Um, and if anyone ever listens to anything like this and hears it, believe me, I could not see the light. I, I couldn't see any light. Like, I, I couldn't. I couldn't see... I couldn't imagine being there a month later. I couldn't even visualize my kid's next birthday. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I love being a dad. Like it's my honor to be my dad. But I'm an honor to be their dad, but I couldn't imagine my own kid's birthday. So it was traumatizing to go through that. But as anyone who's gone through this type of thing knows, you can't focus on that. You have to go uh, day by day. And if you can't go day by day, you've got to get through the hour and just end into another hour. And just keep going through. And so literally, I had to lock myself, not in the castle, but lock myself away. I managed to get myself sorted out. Lived in the car on and off for the space of a week. I was on people's sofas. Um, managed to finally just about get the money together to get a deposit for a house. Um, everything was in storage. Managed to convince the storage people to give me three months without paying anything. So I didn't lose everything I ever had for and then over time, it's had to work. And it, it was bloody awful. Um, 
so that, that stage to go from all of that to come away through to nearly dying over it all, not being able to cope, couldn't cope with even walking into a circle of friends that I've known for 10 years, let alone thriving in life and doing that. But you've still got to pay the bills. So go and get some sales jobs is an easy way to go into. I mean, like I said now, I do sales coaching now and I've got a great bunch of students and clients. And the one skill I had, to be frank, was that. As you know from doing sales, it's something you don't forget. Anyone who hasn't rode a bike for 10 years, give you 20 seconds on a push bike, you soon pick it up. Right. Because you've yeah. got it so ingrained. It's second that, nature. Yeah. Um, and I realized I would do more for other people than I would for myself. Um, and so doing what I do now with a sales coaching was great because I could still give great advice on lessons of what not to do and what to do because I've built it and done it right. And I've also screwed it all up. Um, so, so that worked well. So then I literally put my head down, saw my kids as much as I could and worked as much as I could. I didn't see anyone pretty much apart from my kids and for work for 10 months, 11 months. Couldn't sleep, couldn't do anything, but literally just committed to being committed. Like commit. And the, the big thing for me was someone said to me, if you won't do this for you now and you don't believe that you'll be missed and your kids will miss you, you need to imagine your kids are in the room at all times because you would never do something damaging if they were there, however bad it got, because you wouldn't want to put that on them because you would do that for them. Do you know what I mean? You wouldn't, you, you wouldn't. Yeah, that's fantastic yeah. advice, actually. Because because if you if you wouldn't if you would, I would do more for other people. I would for myself. So the damaging me was thinking I wouldn't do it. But I would, if I was ever going to do that, I would never have done it in front of my kids. Right, because you, know, you wouldn't want to affect them adversely. Yeah, because as much as you might hate yourself and self-loathe, you would never want that on them. Now, yes, with a sensible mindset, you say, yeah, but if you did that. You'd obviously psychologically damage them. Yeah, but you don't think that way when you're that damaged. You think their life's going to be better without you. You think that the whole world's going to be get rid of this burden. But actually, when you get your head right and you think about them in the room and the way you feel, and it's the only time you spark. Um, he said to me, you've just got to spend as much time as you can with the kids when you're not working. And if you don't do it for you, you'll do it for them. And it was true. So then... Yeah, I heard it said once that uh, instead of viewing yourself as a burden or a weight that holds everyone down, look at your loved ones as an anchor that holds you in place. 100%. What 100%. I had a really interesting one today, more about work side, but it's interesting life. Someone said, uh, if you ever watched any film, there's always a lot of misery in there. Every good film has heartbreak and misery. Imagine watching Rocky and the film ended when it all went to pop. It'd be a depressing film. Right? But we right. know the music exactly. comes on. We know the music comes on. And we know the ending. We know it goes well. We know he nearly died, but he pushed through and got through it. And we have to be the success story in our own lives. And the interesting thing I heard the other day, and you can tell me what you think about this, was they said, imagine that you do become a massive success and everything goes well in life. But what you want, not necessarily the money, but it was. And imagine that you get contacted in the future by a TV film crew from Netflix and they're going to record, go back in time and they're going to follow you around. They can go back in time and they're going to film you. What would they see you do on a daily basis that would make that a success? And it's like that in life. If you had your kids next to you, how much harder would you work? 
Would you sit there with your feet up? Would you want to show an example for them? When you're down, would you sit there and beat yourself up and call yourself an idiot? Or would you talk to yourself a bit better because you want your kids to hit do the same? And it was an interesting concept to do. And when I talk to my students about stuff now and I talk to them about it, I'm like, listen, we have to think like this because if we're not going to do it for us, we have to do it for others. If we know we're going to be a success, we've got to do the things now to become a success. If we're going to do stuff because we want our kids to grow up amazing, we have to sacrifice our self-pity to some degree. And you have to slap yourself in the face a bit and be like, no, I don't want my little girl or my little boy growing up without a dad. I think that's, I think that's great. Mm. I think that's great. I think you have to look at it in that way. Um, You know, no matter what level of success you're hoping to achieve with anything, you have to be able to look forward in the future and see yourself. A, you have to see yourself being there and B, you have to be able to allow yourself to dream Mm. the possibility. And so there's actualization that you have to have some, some self-awareness some actualization, but then there's also a little bit of you that has to be a daydreamer and allow yourself to get there. Because if you don't, you're going to sit there with your feet up. You're going to sit there uh, twiddling your thumbs and not, not thinking of, of the things, you know, cause I think about that with my boys and my, and my daughter, I have two boys and a girl and uh, you know, I want them to, to think of me uh, in future days and go look back and go, you know what? My dad did everything he could to help us. My dad did everything, uh, in his power to be in a, a good example of how to be a, a husband, a father, uh, you know, and, and all those things. So, yeah, I, I, I agree you with that 100%. I find it interesting. I thought it was like for yourself. We can only go off our own experiences. But now I'm a dad and I look back on my big memories of as a kid are probably not the big memories my mum and dad have of having me as a kid. Their proud moments of me being in a concert I played Daddy Bear in the three, like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, right? But at the time, being a six-year-old or an eight-year-old, whatever I was, I was more petrified of getting my lines wrong. They were sat in the crowd, proud of their son on stage. And all the little things that we have now, the memories that our kids have of us, could be the moment when we're stressed out and we've had a crappy day at work and we bite their head off. That could be the one that sticks in there. And I'm mindful of that. So it's not even the big holidays. We remember holidays, but it's been, we latch on to negatives. So when something bad happens, I had to sit my kids down and tell them, listen, your dad screwed up. Didn't tell them the specifics about the craziness, but I'm like, listen, I've done this. This is what I've done. Everything we've had, I've screwed up. We're not going to have yeah. this. We're not going to have that. But listen to me. I want to show you something. This will change. And if I do nothing more in this life, I'm going to prove to you that you can do well and how quickly you can mess it up. So you've got to look after stuff. And then I'm going to show you, but actually if you work your ass off, excuse me, then you can get it all back again and value it. And that's the lesson I've got out of this now is now. And when you commit that to your kids, anyone who's a parent out there, you sit down and have a serious conversation with a five-year-old and eight-year-old. You're like, listen, we're not having holidays for a couple of years. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. I'm going to make it right. And they, now they understand a bit more. Did they get it properly? No. But now when stuff's coming good, and like when those things were going great, and when they're going on the holiday, I remember when we were on the first holiday after. It was like 18 months later. My little girl was like, oh, do you remember when you said? And you're like, yes. She's remembering this. Yeah, and so it stands out. It. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Because 
because dad was honest with them and and told them you know <laughs> fortright what was going to happen and how yeah and i think that's very important i, I do the same thing with my children uh, especially if i make a mistake on something uh whether they've seen it or not i bring it to their attention hey this is where dad screwed up to know. and yeah you know i I'm not perfect. They know that. But I also look at my my own upbringing with my dad. You know, uh, I remember days when, um, you know, uh, you know, you think of, you're talking about, you know, you seeing your parents in reverse. And I and the first thought that came to my head was with my dad. Uh, you know, I don't remember him taking a day off of work because he was sick. I remember him getting up, putting his boots on in the morning and going to work, you yeah. know, grabbing his lunchbox and going uh, and really, you know, helped install a work ethic in me because you know, he's always, he's always been that way. You almost have to drag him away. He's, he's still working today. He's, you know, he's, you know, but it, it's kind of impressive the, the yeah. what, he, what he's done in, in that, that respect. But he was also very open and honest with me about things. And, and so that's where I learned how to be that way is because that's mm. the way he was with me. It's funny you say that as well, because mine's very different with it. My dad was my idol growing up. He got something called post-traumatic stress disorder uh, years ago, which changed the way he is. And, and I, I get that. But as a kid, pre-12, when it all happened, this guy was my idol. Now, we don't even talk now because we're very different. We've grown up. We're both very similar, so we clash. Um, they don't agree with certain things in life. I don't agree with the way they do things. And you're like, okay, well, listen, we've got to live our lives. Like, we know each love each other. But actually, you live your life, I live mine. There's no point in wasting oh, like years later. It gets to a point where you just think there's not the energy to do. But I also take lessons from that. But my dad was my, like, there was not a man on the planet, no superhero, no one, that even held a candle to the what I fought with that man. Um, and it just shows me now, that was up till I was 12. But my kid, my oldest is nine, my boy is six. And it just shows me, it doesn't make a difference. All the stuff I've done so far, because my dad had three years on me being my idol, did three years perfectly. And then took the foot off the gas a bit here. Put the foot off the gas there. And a lot of it was he tried to pretend he was perfect. Never really heard him argue. Never. So when I used to argue with stuff, I always thought it was like a failing. But then, So I took those lessons and now I talk to my kids with that stuff. And I talk to them about whatever I can so they know. Dad made mistakes too. Dad seen me. Like, I apologise to my kids. And my mate said to me, why are you saying sorry to them for? Because they need to. I expect it from them. Right. I, can't, I can't expect my kids to come to me and say sorry for whatever they've done, which is yeah. a list as kids do. But I, I refuse to do it. And that's one thing my dad, my dad never says sorry. Right. And right. It, was, it was a lesson I took from that. And my kids, I think, appreciate that more because they actually like, oh, because we're setting the example. We're setting the tone. We're setting the expectation. But on the flip side, I do other things that their mum doesn't like. Like, you know, with the whole thing, if your kid gets picked on, there's the one in the family was like, oh, get them back. The other one said, tell the teacher. And there's horses for courses with these things. And by no way am I perfect, clearly. But the lessons that we learn, I'm determined to keep learning. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's the uh, the wisest, you know, course, is that you have to realize that we're never done really building ourselves. You know, we all we always, there's always something we can improve. There's always something we can change. And I think that's, I think that's one of the guiding forces that helps get people through a lot of the issues and challenges that they're facing in life, if they're honest about that. Yeah, we were, we were talking just before about this, the, the, the four agreements. 
I'm a big person on personal development. And I'm quite good at playing devil's advocate in life. And I know some people massively believe in personal development. And a lot of people, you're like this being in the States, and so a lot of people I know in England would say it's very Americanized, this whole personal development stuff. Because, it, I mean, a lot of the, the height and that type of thing um, originated in the, in the US. I see the benefit of it. And I think you're always going to prove yourself right. If you think working on you is going to help you, you're right. If you think it won't, you're right. Until you're ready to accept that you want to get help, there's no point in trying to get someone to help or to learn. Because we know what happened at school and the lessons we didn't like. I definitely didn't pay any attention in algebra. No, I turned a deaf ear to it. What, I didn't care what the cloud types were. At no point was I like, I need to know about, what are they called, Nimbus clouds or something? The only thing I remember about clouds, they just don't, it was never relevant. So in the same way in life, if people are happy, and if you're happy in your life, good for you. Like, live your life. If you are happy in what you have, and you have gratitude for what you've got, and you appreciate, good for you. I have massive gratitude for my life, for everything I now have, because I screwed everything up. Now, am I determined to keep progressing? Yes. I want to build a legacy now for my kids. I want to show them how high someone can soar. But now it's not about the Range Rover and the Rolex and a five million pound house. Now it's about showing them what a man is capable of. And I've sure. got to do that. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. if, I, if I want to teach my kids a combination of work smart and work hard, but I need to work smart and I need to work hard. <laughs> so that's what we've got to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, speaking of, of, of you know, uh, your climb forward, let's circle back a little bit in our conversation here. Mm. And let's talk about, you know, the, the personal reflection it took for you to be able to make the changes that were needed to make. So when it came time to make changes, what was the moment where you said, I have to be better. What was what what rang that bell for you? Because for everybody, it, there's something different when they're going when they're struggling with addiction and things along those lines. What was it for you that rang that bell that said, "I have to make a change right here, right now"? I knew for months. I knew for months. Jim, this is an interesting one. I used to smoke 30, 40 cigarettes a day. Like I could smoke. I could I could beat a chimney, no problem. And I could give up smoking. I'd smoke in the summer because I'd be outside drinking. In the winter, I wouldn't smoke for six months. Now, I smoked because I liked smoking. I never, I, I would never turn around and go, oh, I'm going to start cutting down on do nicotine patches. It was never the nicotine for me. Maybe I was blessed. So I could stop. Now, I've done that for years. I stopped for two years. And in the summer, when I holiday, I'm like, I'm going on holiday and have a cigarette, sitting in the bars, drinking a beer in the sun. Like, I enjoyed that. And I think that psychologically screwed me up. Because then when it comes to things like boozing and drugs, not consciously, but subconsciously, there was probably a little ingrainment there. But it's like, well, you can give up smoking when you want. That's more addictive than most things out there. Yeah, yeah I can, can stop whenever it. I want. And I was functioning. Well, not even functioning. I was actually thriving. So it wasn't necessarily a realization, but there were huge amounts of points where I could, like we said, go three days without sleep. And I would do a day of that, like I'd go out after work, 
And because I'm fairly social, I would go out on my own. I do what's called omping. I made it up. One man parties. And I would just go off. And I'd end up checking into a hotel and I'd just carry on my night and go off and do whatever I wanted. And I could do that. I was all right with my own company. It was the worst thing because I was okay with me. I didn't need to be with someone else. I didn't need a drinking buddy. Well, that sounds great to people that need drinking buddies, but believe me, it's not. Because if you're okay with you, you don't like you don't need someone to hold you back. So yeah, you've got you've got nobody there to tell you no. You've got nobody there to tell you, you know, hey, maybe you should uh, hold back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, because you're like, yeah, cool, good idea, no worries. And you go, oh, you going home? I'll go home, and then you'll go meet someone else, or you'll just go out and you'll bump into people. So I used to always have the point where for months it would get to the six in the morning stage and the sun, the birds would be tweeting, the sun had come up and I'd be like, ah, oh, right, we're going to cover this. I never used to really have the plan of going out on an all night bender. I'm just going out for an hour, another hour. And I, literally, if 11, I'll stay out till midnight. Midnight, I'll stay out till one, two. And then it get to six and I'd be like, now you've got to stay up because you do hide to go to sleep. So then I'm like, what do I need to do? But bear in mind, this wasn't when I was with my kids. This is when I'm on my own. So then I'm like, all right, well, let's get a cab to work. That'll be fine. And then I've just got to get through the day. And then you've got to get through the day because you're at work. So carry on, carry on, carry on. And then I'd go out again that night because I suddenly feel better because it's night time. And then I'd be sat there at points and I'd be like, this is dumb. What am I doing here? That it would be a six in the morning stage. And I think they just had to grow over time. And then, then everything was going terribly wrong. It just got to the stage where I just didn't really have an out. And with the collapse of the business, that was at the point when you're like, everything's done. And then I couldn't stomach it. Then I couldn't, I couldn't, I was too depressed to get high. Now I know a lot of people will drink to get that. I can't with it. Once, if I'm sober, if you get, I get annoyed, oh, I want to go and have a pint. But it's not because I bought a pint. I want to go and have an unwind. I need to escape it. I want to go and take my mind off it. So I was just like, done. So I went out and had two beers that night. And I got on it. Two days later. And I was determined. So I was literally like, well, it, this is clear. I can't drink. Because as soon as that second beer goes in, it's not like I'm like, oh, I should go out tonight. Just that switch clicks. And it's like, yeah, you deserve this. Right. And, That's what your body became used to. Yeah. And I could, and I'm a salesperson, so I'm great at selling myself on this stuff. <laughs> right? Blessing, the blessing and the curse. Yeah. So so then it was like, right, just can't drink. And then it stopped. No, did I get tempted? Yes, of course I did. Did I want to go and have a beer? Yes. And But then I didn't drink for 10 months. Didn't drink. Literally, I gave up drinking, gave up drugs, gave up smoking. That day. Because it was a fear then. Then it was fear-based. I was scared I was going to die. I was scared I wouldn't come back. I was scared. Too, I was too scared to, to, to take that first drink. And I knew if I took that first drink, it would have happened. And even now, I, I drink non-alcoholic beers. I know what happened if I drink wine. If I have a glass of wine, it, would say, it just gets me too drunk. Right. And so it shuts my brain off. So now I'm at the stage where I just drink non-alcoholic beer. If I go on holiday or something, or if I went out over lads, I'll probably go out and I'll party. But I also now have like oh, I have a wheels up mentality. Unless the wheels are, I've gone up in the air off the plane, and I've got a and I'm on my own or with my mates. 
that's different. If I want to let my hair down, then I will. But then I just don't now. And it, it I, I would like to say I chose it, but it was fear. And that that's... fear of, of, of dying was enough to hold me back. Well, and then it fear... becomes a habit. Yeah, but fear can be looked at in a couple different ways. I embrace and, it. I love fear now. Yeah, you can look at fear as something that scares you, something that, that unhealthily holds you back. Or you can look at fear as a safe and cautious restraint. You can have yeah. a healthy respect for something and I say that you have a fear, fear for now. it. So the yeah. old adage was it face false evidence appearing real. And I like that, and, uh, that uh, analogy with it, but fear for me is real. I should fear it. Like you should be scared of a tiger, right? You shouldn't go, that looks cute. Like that's dumb. I done a skydive years ago, and I don't, and I was bricking it. And the guy said to me, "You're about to jump out of a plane at fifteen thousand feet with some cloth and a guy you just met strapped to you." He said, "You shouldn't have confidence. You don't know this guy for more than ten minutes. You've never jumped out of a plane, and you're going to be flying along, and you're going to decide to jump out." He said, "You should be scared." And I have that analogy of life now. That's just a good warning for me. Um, to have that fear. And I now also embrace a lot more things with fear because now I look at it and go, right, is this a fear for protection or is this a fear for growing? And my growing fears, I run towards. Okay, I always, cool. do, I always do a check on it. No, that's cool. So let's talk about what David Angel is doing now. So we, okay. we've, we've talked about all these things we've, and you've given some really nice examples of, of how you've gotten around things and really how what helped you choose your path of moving yeah. forward and how you stay focused on those things. But so what are you doing now? We talked a little bit about uh, some some coaching that you're doing. Let's talk about that. So the one skill I've, I've always been a really good student. I think that's why my personal development always picked on. So I always studied sales. I, I was terrible at sales when I started. Awful. Uh, well, not awful, but I was like, if people were getting five sales, I was getting two. So I was never hitting high numbers of what I would expect. But someone took me to one side, taught me a few things. So I'm like, ah, this works. So I started implementing that. I started reading books, listening to audio, studying, working it out. And after the demise of everything, the one thing I had was this ability to skill because it was ingrained. If you were a bike courier for 10 years, if you stop for 10 years, you'll pick it up a bit pretty darn quick. So to go back to that was quite simple. And it was something which takes your commitment and you have to be focused. You have to start with the end in mind. You have to believe in yourself a little bit. You've got to fake that belief if you don't have it to make it because you won't get sales. So that helps. And quite obviously with that, I, my progression was quite quick because I've gone from doing great to coming in. I've dusted off a cobweb. So then I end up coaching other people and training teams. And it just keeps going from there. And now I do private one-on-one -on -one coaching and I've got an online platform, which um, I created. Someone said to me before, there was two people that wanted, well, two companies that wanted me to coach them at the same time. And I was like, I can't. And he's like, mate, you just need two of you. And I'm like, yeah. And someone said to me, why don't you just get it all and put it on a platform? Just give people access. I'm like, that'd be quite a good idea. So I literally spent all this time and now as nearly 400 videos, 24 hours worth of content from mindset all the way through to closing deals. Um, and I coach people on how to do things, how to thrive, tricks to do, tips to do, things to avoid. 
be a support network, help boost up their mindset, give them a little rah-rah, the whole lot and the skill set. And so then I do that now. Um, and it's good. It's, it's almost like therapy for me because if you're having a bad day and you'll do more for other people, there's nothing better to do than being the coach. And I say to them, say, listen, I have bad days, but it's what we do in our bad days that define us. And that's such a big thing. If you can take, if you're in a good mood, going and have a good day is pretty easy. But if you wake up and you're having a monster of a bad mood and you're feeling down and you're like, no, so-and-so's committed with me on this, Joan or Sue or Steve or whoever, they put their time and their money into this. They deserve to get me at my best. Do you know what ends up happening? You do it for them and your mood changes because you change your state, you change the world, you think differently because you decide this is not me. I'm not yeah. having this. And so then you do that. So for me, coaching is like therapy. It's great for work. It gives me massive freedom. Um, it gives me the ability to help people. And it's a vibe. Like, I love it. Because awesome. now I get, yeah, so I get people now message me who were nervous about sales. I mean, I've just done a day, I've done a thousand pound in sales. I've done this, I've done that. So finding the thing that you love. So the blessing's been after all of what's happened, I actually found something I was already doing, but I didn't realize how much I loved it. I didn't have the right glasses on to see how big a thing it was. And now the mission is um, to help a thousand people sell more effectively in the next year, which is going really well. And I'm going to do a hundred podcasts in 50 weeks. Awesome. Because it's, because it's good therapy again. So yeah, yeah that's, that's, cool. that's the plans where I'm at now. All right. So what's the name of your of your uh, coaching company? So it's called the Sales Network. Um, and if someone wants to find it, just literally search David Angel TSN. So A-N-G-E-L Tango Sierra November. Um, on pretty much any social media, Insta, Facebook. Um, and I, I, I just really enjoy it. So because of that, there's loads of free content. I probably give too much away, if anything. Um, like I've just done an ebook about how I control my mental state in sales. Um, so I put that out there. Because um, I think there's a big difference between helping enough people. I remember who said it. If you can have anything in the world you want, if you help enough other people get what they want. And I really buy into that. So now I'm like, give, 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 give. Other people are like, listen, I want to get one-on-one -on -one with you. Great. I've seen what you do. Great. So then they join. And then other people just like sitting on the sidelines and watching. And hopefully the more the sort of podcasts come through, I might even end up creating my own one at some point. Um, it just keeps growing. So yeah, check it out. You know, honestly, uh, David, that might not be a bad idea for you to, to have this type of situation on a, on a podcast. Mm. You're, you're a natural talker. It's a natural navigation from going from being a salesperson to being on a podcast where you're, you're just amplifying your voice. It's just a different... Uh, just a different medium is all it's just enjoyable as well i like nothing more than today i was up my boy got up at five i get i know a lot of people have this mantra of get up and meditate in the morning don't look at your phone for two hours i get up in the morning my boy jumps on the head um we play for a little bit literally trend minutes into it i'm looking at my phone i'm excited to get into the day so doing stuff like podcasts especially at the moment i'm speaking to quite a lot of people in the states it's a great unwind from the day because you're just talking about stuff, you get stuff out. 
if you're having a bad start to the day, then this can help. You've had a bad day, this helps. Like, there's no bad that comes from it because you're going on, especially in a podcast like this, you're meeting someone who's great and interesting and you hope to talk to them again. So you build a good relationship. And it's about connections now that we make in our lives. And the internet's such an amazing Agreed. thing. We should use it more. Agreed. I, I, you know, For me, that's been one of the biggest blessings of doing this is that I've gotten to meet so many awesome people and have and, and be... Uh, a facilitation of their story yeah uh, absolutely. and that to me that is so cool uh, to be able to to get these people's stories out with people like yours uh, and your story and, and being able to share it and, and and being you know even if I'm just the motive that facilitates your story getting out I'm honored to do so and it's, I think it's really cool isn't it and like we say if, if we can help one person I am um, I know in my dark times I'm sure like with yourself you know, you only have to get one person say, do you know what? I was in a bad place and you helped me. That one thing will give you the coal inside to go out there and do a hundred bad days. Oh, I and agree. And that's selfishly blooming rewarding. And it's great. And I think if everyone can find that in their life, the world will be a lot nicer place and people will do a lot nicer things. I agree. So let's... Uh... Just real quick here, because we're, we're running out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you mentioned it briefly, but so it's David Angel, the sales network. And where again can people find you to make sure that, that we have the best uh, best connection for you? Um, Facebook or Instagram is the best ones. Um, Instagram, I have a huge amount of content on there just because it, it likes the video more. So literally David Angel, D-A-D-I-D-A-N-G-E-L-T-S-N for the sales network. Just type that in there. Or on Instagram, you can type Coach David. And it comes up on there as well. Um, but I can put some links and stuff over to you, which you can put on um, anyway. I think I think there's so many opportunities out there, but it's great. And I really appreciate your time today as well. because It is nice to, to sort of interact. We spoke before, but uh, it's good to jump on this. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll make sure that any links that you share with me, we'll put when we post your episode, we'll include those underneath yeah, here amazing. so that the folks can uh, who are listening can can find you and look you up. And And David, thank you so much for being on today and, and sharing your story. It's uh, honestly very encouraging to see, to hear someone who who has had some of the challenges you've had, but also has the outlook you have. Yeah, thank and you. I think I think uh, the more people we talk to on this podcast, it helps people see that positivity always wins. And that's that's a big that's a big saying in my life. Positivity always, always wins. So, all right, sir. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And that's going to conclude us today for Focused on Forward. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcastfof, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.